Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Finishing Well, our podcast for Finishing Well Ministries. Our objective here is to explore ways seniors can lead their lives well, and more importantly, finish their lives well. And if you happen to be under 65 or so, please know that you are most welcome here as well. My name is Randy Hess, and I'm pleased to be here again with my good pal, Hal Habaker, the founder of Finishing Well Ministries. Hey, Hal, it's a beautiful day today. It is, like Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Right. In our podcast neighborhood, right? It is. It is. And it's a joy to be with you and to share what God has put in our hearts with others this morning. And our desire, whatever your age, I hope it's an encouragement to you. And, you know, life happens at its own pace. So one of the things I want to talk about this morning we want to share together on is dealing with the difficulties of life. Many times they increase as we age. You know, I think of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. So even the Apostle Paul would look at the kinds of things that happen in our lives as we age, increasing difficulties of all sorts, perhaps, but then you reflect on that a little bit. And as you watch life, those kinds of things happen all the time in life. I mean, they may happen when you're a kid or when you're an adolescent or whatever your age, challenges are a part of life. Hardship, God has orchestrated our lives. I think of a phrase in Ecclesiastes, what is crooked cannot be straightened. So while there are hardships in the aging process, that's also true of life. So I want to look at a biblical character. One of the things we try and do is keep biblical characters in focus. And the biblical character I want to work on this morning or reflect on is the person of Naomi. Uh, We meet her in the book of Ruth, uh, Joshua Judges Ruth. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'd like to look at her life. Does that sound good, Randy? Sounds good. Sounds like we could do that. Let's try. Okay. Well, let's begin by kind of summarizing her life. And even as I think about that, I think of Robert Browning's line, the best is yet to be. Well, maybe, maybe not sometimes. So keep that phrase in the back of our minds as we go through her story. So let me try and summarize her story in a brief way. We meet her in the city of Bethlehem. What a great city to grow up in, the city of David. We meet her there. She's happily married. And she has two sons. And you think, well, what a great position to be like. You have a great city to live in, a great little town, a great little community. you got a family that God is blessing. You're looking forward to your two sons getting married and having a family. You know, what could be better in life? Uh, But, you know, things change. Uh, What what happens first in the story, we're told there's a famine comes to Bethlehem. Interestingly. Bethlehem is the city of bread, but in this city of bread, there is no bread anymore. You know, how interesting in life, you know, you're just zipping along and all of a sudden something changes and your whole outlook becomes challenged and difficult, maybe just heartrending. So this famine forces them to move and they have to move to a foreign 
country, to the country of Moab. I, you know, I, Randy, I don't, you know, how quickly do we adapt to change? And here's a, a young family of four, mom and dad and two sons, and their whole life is uprooted because of a famine and they got to, they have to leave and go to a foreign country. I mean, does that sound like life sometimes? Yes. Everything shakes you up completely. Well, the apple and, cart uh, is upset. Yep, it is. And, and, and to uh, me, as I, I watch life like you do, I mean, it happens at various times throughout life. People go through all kinds of struggles and you wonder, well, why is this happening to me at this time? As if, well, I should be immune from these kinds of things. Nevertheless, uh, it's the world God has given us to live in. What is crooked cannot be straightened, as uh, Ecclesiastes says. Or we imagine other people skipping along, jumping along through dancing through the tulips uh, while we're having something, whatever it is that has upset our apple cart, if you will, as you said, Hal, when we find out, when we uh, explore just a little bit further, that that's not true, that other people have things uh, they didn't, we didn't know about and, uh, and that they are facing uh, either the similar situation or even tougher situations than than you are, but but yes, things happen to us. We think we should be just given an, a a straight path, easy path through that tulip field, and it turns out we have to go through the thorn thorn briar patch, whatever. Then, as if the famine and moving to a whole new country is not enough, the tragedy continues. Her husband dies. So now she has two sons. Her husband's gone. She's now a widow. And then her husband, her her two sons, marry two Moabite women, of whom one is Ruth, and she's the the heroine of the story, you might say. But in, in all this, God is working in Naomi's life in a very, very strange way. So then on top of all this tragedy, first you have the famine, then her husband, they move to a foreign country, then her husband dies, then her sons, a bright part in the story, marry two beautiful women, and then her sons die. So then you have Naomi and two daughters-in-law and a history of tragedy. And she says, I think it's at the end of chapter one, she says, I don't even want anybody to call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara, because Mara means bitterness. The Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. And and just try and imagine the tragedy of her story. I mean, my heart goes out to her. Who's wouldn't? Mm -hmm. And you you hear of, you, you know, friends like this. You, you know of close people in your community, your church, maybe your family, maybe it's happened to you. It's just a tragic story. Exactly. Well, then just to get the story out on the table, and then we can reflect on it a little bit more, Randy. Uh, you know, the famine is over back in Bethlehem, and she decides to go back. And Naomi appeals to her two daughters-in-law, why don't you stay here in your own country, of the country of Moab? I- I'm going to go back to my country. You know. Uh, I need to go back to my people, kind of rethink my life and how to make sense of all the bitter things that have happened to me. 
And then Ruth says, you know, I'm not going to leave you, Naomi. Uh, You're my mother-in-law. I've gotten more attached to you, and I'm learning something from you in the bitterness of your se- this season of life, but yet I see there's hope somewhere in you. So she says, I want to go back to Bethlehem with you. And so they do. And the story, is, it's just a dramatic story about how God works in life. They go back, and obviously Naomi is now thinking, well, who, who might be there that could marry my daughter-in-law? I mean, she's a widow too. So here, I'm a widow. She's a widow. And she gets back to Bethlehem. And yes, they have this kinsman redeemer. <laughs> that's, the, that's his name in the book. So the idea is that God through Boaz is going to redeem, bring a sense of purpose out of chaos and tragedy in Ruth's life. which is exactly what happens. So all of a sudden you get this glimpse, having gone through this dark tunnel of despair and grief, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And you realize perhaps for the first time, if you're just reading the story, that God is out there working in the midst of all this in ways that you would have never dreamt, never dreamt at all. So the long and the short, uh, long and short of the story is that Boaz does in fact redeem Ruth, and it's a very dramatic story. We don't need to go into it now, but he does marry her and protects her. <laughs> and Naomi, I just have to smile. She must be taking this all in, and she's starting to dream again. In fact, I recall this line by Robert Browning that I use all the time, the best is yet to be. Well, in her early days, she, Naomi might have felt that's true. I'm a husband, I have two happy sons, and life is going to be good. The best is yet to be. And then all the world is turned upside down. So now mm-hmm. she's back. This is years later. She's realizing, you know, God's in charge of my life. And he brought Boaz in. He's marrying Ruth. And, you know, I still might be a grandmother and watch how God restores some of the joys in life. And it's just a dramatic story. And I want to read just the two verses near the end of chapter four and quoting Naomi. These are the women around Naomi. And here's what they say. The women said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer today, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. I love that. This is an old woman. I don't know how old she is. I don't want to guess. She has lived through a lot of hardship and difficulties in life, but God is orchestrating something out of that. A sustainer of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And the story is uh, the son that was born out of their relationship is the grandfather of King David. His name is Obed. Obed has Jesse and Jesse has David. So in this picture of despair um, uh, in the world of the judges, Naomi is caught up in tragedy. 
But God always has a purpose. He has a plan. He has direction involved in all of our lives. And uh, Naomi is a, is a great story of hardship in life, wherever we are in hardship, in a sense, we can trust and hang on to God through the, <laughs> you and I were talking about this earlier, Randy, uh, it's kind of like a, um, uh, what's the ride? It's Six Flags. Oh, yeah. Um, that you, you know, go upside down in and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, we feel like that happens to us. A roller coaster, you know, you're yeah, up and down. Yeah, just a roller down. coaster ride of some sort. Yeah, being thrown out unless you had those bars on. Yep. But but God is working, and we see this in her light. And I just think it's a wonderful, wonderful reminder of our difficulties, of our challenges, that God has a plan. He has a purpose, and we need to hang on to him perseverance, hanging on by the skin of our teeth, so to speak, or wherever, but we do not want to let hold of who God is and how he works in our lives. And it takes a great deal of forbearance, doesn't it? It takes a great deal of continued um, endurance, if you will. And that's part of what we're learning. That's part of what builds us into the person who can persevere. I'm thinking of a couple pegs to hang on to here. One is that we we never want to lose faith in a God who identifies with us and has a purpose for our lives. You know, I think one of the messages I would say to Naomi, even in her darkest days, Naomi, I love you. I want to encourage you. God has a plan in the midst of this chaos and utter darkness. I don't know what it is, but don't let go of your faith in God. He he is our hope. He is there every day of our lives, wherever you're aging, whatever your challenges, wherever your adult kids are, wherever your grandkids are, whether you're great, it doesn't matter. God is faithful. So keep trusting him. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the midst of tragedy. Uh, That's so true. Uh, The other thing that occurs to me uh, is that we are never really alone. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, we're never alone because of God. I mean, he is always with us. And the great thing we learn in the scripture and the stories of the Bible is that God is always with those who are brokenhearted. He cares about us. But the other thing is, he always has people there for us. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just am stunned by this. I think of back in my own life, how other people have played a critical role in, in who I am, what I'm becoming, what, what has all happened to me, who he has led into my life. And all along, while Naomi was in Moab in the pit of despair, her husband had died, her two sons had died, but Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, was back there, and all those people that knew Naomi before she left, they were there, and when she returns with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, you know, I, I can imagine the villagers saying, welcome home, Ruth. Welcome home to a, to a new place. You've never been here before. We want to introduce you to all of our friends and welcome home, Naomi. I, I know life has been hard for you, but it's so great to have you home. 
I mean, what, what do you think about that as you reflect on other people that God has in your life has prepared, even when you were unaware of who they were necessarily? As you've said many times, those people in your lives are part of the way God works with us, those people in our lives. Sometimes it's uh, more direct, but many, many times the people in our lives help shape how we respond, how we see things, how we interpret things, how we, uh, how we use what we have just witnessed, so to speak. And those people help us, you know, see things differently, see them less bitterly, if you will, Hal, to go back to that word, to see things in a more coping manner. Those people can help us do that. But if we don't have people in our lives, if we are totally isolated, Hal, that's, that's an issue, isn't it? It's part, it's part of the, the challenge piled on a challenge that we have with someone who is not able to reach out to another person and share the, um, the nature of the tragedy, the nature of the pain, the nature of the difficulty they're going through, but hold it all in. It's difficult, isn't it? It, it makes it more difficult. Even as I think about this story, some thoughts just come flooding into my mind. Part of the people that God has wired into our lives is our family, family members. You know, you, you may be distant from each other in some ways. You may be on different paths. But when hardships come, family connections are vitally important. You, you know, Boaz was connected family-wise to Naomi's family. Yes. So God had already gone on ahead of her and prepared through her extended family some encouragement for her and the best news she would ever have, that she would be a grandmother and Ruth would find a, a husband. Yes. And sometimes it comes from people outside of your family, people you never knew. God, God wires our lives in such a creative and powerful way that you could have never anticipated what he was doing as he was working ahead, maybe years or decades ahead and bringing other people into our lives. And that took me a while to grasp that that kind of um, aha about my life, about life in general, how that kind of insight, if you will, God uses other people to inject into us into our thinking if we are able to listen and open up to that and not isolate, not try to solve it totally on my own, but to listen to other people and to share, right? That's part of it, to share the, that I am having uh, whatever difficulty I'm having, great difficulty but I don't hold it in. You know, I get it out. I talk to my family, as you say, is, is a critical pillar in that. But there, but there are good friends, maybe, if you have any, use them, right? That would be a, also yes. a good uh, reflection on this story. 
anybody can help, you know, anybody that's not even close to what's going on, but listens to you, cares about you, uh, can give you insight. And that insight can be really inspired. It can be the Holy Spirit working. And I just, for a long time, I never grasped that. I think until you started talking more about that uh, several years ago, actually. And it just struck me how important that is in our lives. But it also points out to me how um, that as we age, you said this also, we tend to isolate. As we age, we tend to isolate. And therefore, we have these two uh, different components of aging that uh, need to be changed or need to be brought together. That is the, the sense that I am okay, I'm isolated, that's what I want to be, with the sense that I can actually get great amount of um, relief, peace, uh, even joy, if I just reach out to somebody else or have somebody else to talk to. Those two components need to be brought together. And I hope we at Finishing Well, I hope that's part of what we can help people do. Uh, as we think about wrapping this up, and you can take this uh, so many ways, and I hope the Spirit of God leads you as you listen to our thinking here and listen to Naomi's story, you know, the importance of going home, the importance of going home to your heart, going home to your family, going home to your network and listening and embracing God's purposes. You know, we learn in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, Paul's great truth, we know that God works all things according to his purposes for our good. So we see this in Naomi's life. He continues to work. He has been working at the beginning of her life. He works through all of her tragedies for her good, and he brings his greatest joy to her near the end of her life as she is able to hold that grandson whose name is historic because of her great-grandson, King David. Wow. You know, it's yeah. just, the, just the most amazing story. It is. And the Holy Spirit is praying all along, uh, right before Romans eight twenty eight, The Holy Spirit prays according to the will of God, with groanings too deep for us to even understand. So in our groaning and in our mara, in our bitterness, God is always there working in every way, shape, and form. And when we reach out and get those people who we want, who we care about, who we would like to share our story with, share our information with, and they say, uh, or, whether you ask for it or not, they say, I'm going to pray for you. That makes the difference right there. You know, things are working on your side. And we all need that. Let me conclude with a story that I just experienced two weeks ago. I was with a group of people and they were wanting to go through the Finishing Well uh, Discipleship Project, the Six Essentials. And I was introducing the concepts to them. And across from me was a, a widow in her 80s. And I know we're, you have to visualize this because we're not being able to see each other. 
But when we were talking about this point of hardships, she, she was sitting straight across from me. She looked into my eyes and she said, Al, let, let me give you a demonstration of what you're saying. She said, when life is good, and she crossed her arms over her chest, which is really to say, I'm happy with who I am and I don't need anybody else. I'm happy just being me, which is a great feeling. Mm-hmm. But she said, when life is hard, and then she, opened her arms and extended them towards heaven and looked up. And she said, when I'm in tragedy and hardship, that's the point I need God the most. And she said, I wouldn't trade anything in my life for the presence of God and how he meets my needs in the middle of hardship. I mean, I thought that's Naomi. You know, when her life was young and she was just married, had those cuckoos, she's happy as a lark. But all of a sudden, something happened and life changed and God worked in powerful ways. It's just a great story, Randy. So I hope it connects with you out there as you listen and think about your own life. People you know, people are going through hardships. You may be in the middle of a hardship, but the lessons of Naomi are just powerful, powerful lessons of the faithfulness of God. Amen. Well. I hope you've enjoyed this, enjoyed enjoyed thinking about hardship and uh, thinking about how God works. He's always there. He's always working. And that's our message at Finishing Well Ministries. Uh, we want to live well every day, whatever our age. We want to think about finishing well every day, every week, and especially our lives. And may God bless you. And I hope this uh, podcast encourages you. And uh, Randy and I have enjoyed being here with you. And have a blessed day and be encouraged. God bless.